Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. While you're turning to Acts 27, yes, Acts. You guys are going to miss this book. We only got one chapter left. But you are allowed to read it at any time at will. While you're turning there, a couple other public service announcements. This August 11th, we're doing the Rock the Block outreach. And what this is about, you know, we have a number of churches we participate in doing our VBS. And this year, there was a consensus in lieu of VBS, we're foregoing the formal VBS this year and doing a community outreach in the parking lot at the high school. And so that, that's going to be the church that we're all going to team up together there. And there's going to be a, a groups coming in doing the skate park, you know, like the, what do you call them, half pipes or quarter pipes or some skate things. I remember my son had one of those things. It went up like a wave, you know. I said, man, I could do this. Let me try this. And so I got zinging along in that skateboard. And, and all I remember is seeing my toes in front of my face. And, I'm, and at that split second, you're thinking, this isn't good. And then gravity took over, and I went, oh. nothing like doing on a concrete driveway. But I guess it's harder to do on gravel. I don't know. But anyways, that's going to be a great outreach. I think they're going to have BMX bikes, part of that as well. And the kids are going to love it. I know a lot of uh, not just young kids, but young adults as well are like, Man, even older ones. I want to go see that. It's always better to watch someone else get hurt, isn't it? I don't. I don't mean it that way. Yeah, I mean, but you know. I actually, I, I get weak now behind my knees when I see them. Like, oh, ouch, that hurt. But you know, when you're that age, you have a tendency to spring back. When you get our age, our spring has sprung. Anyways, all right, we're going to be in Acts 27, just to get you up to speed real quick. Paul, for over two years, has been on trial. Uh, they find nothing that he's guilty of, but Paul appealed to Caesar because Jesus told Paul that you must witness to me before Caesar. And so because he appealed to Caesar, the governor said, okay, to Caesar, you will go. And he and King Agrippa uh, placed Paul on a ship, and then they set sail. As a matter of fact, you know what, why don't we, we'll pull the map up now. I, I had a pointer, a.k.a. Q-stick. Somebody took it. I found it in the, I actually saw it in the copy room. We were going to dust it for prints later. But just pretend I had the Q-stick up here, all right? And everyone, by the way, everyone says, well, I'm going to buy you a laser pointer. Don't bother. Three people already have. The laser pointer doesn't work on the screen. So I don't know. Old school it is. All right. Far right corner, for those just joining us, Paul was down at Caesarea. He appealed to Caesar. He set sail. And immediately as he sets off to go to Rome, the winds started blowing contrary to Scripture says. And so they could not go from A to B directly. They literally had to go along the shore of modern day Cyprus. Is that what I see coming? Were you up there dancing with the kids today? 
That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Oh, what happened? All right. So they bounced along the shore. They came down and they landed here in Fair Havens on the island of Crete. Remember that? Remember, that was like two weeks ago. How could I remember that? All right. While they're at the island of Crete, they stayed beyond the time that they knew they should have left. They, they knew it was getting deep into the hurricane season, but they're like, oh, it's fair haven. Remember, the south wind blew gently. And so they just hung out. However, they decided, you know what? We're going to go to Phoenix, right up the coast here. Oh, there it is. We're going to go to Phoenix, and we're going to sail there instead of walking. If they'd have walked the 60 miles, they wouldn't have all this dilemma. But they didn't do that. They decided, we're going to sail, and we're going to sail close to the shore and come right up along this way. Dotted lines. Ta-da. So come right up. Oh, another. They move quickly. you got to watch these guys. Oh, there they go again. So they decided to come up this way. However, shortly after they left port, the scripture said the wind direction change came out of the northeast, coming this way, and blew them out to sea. You notice the terrain under the water is a very deep valley there and gets very shallow once you cross around the island of Clauda. So in the chapter, it said that they came, hid behind the winds at that island. And at that time, they pulled the skiff up onto the top of the boat. The skiff was a small boat that they towed along. They would anchor offshore and use that to shuttle people back and forth. So they said, we're going to lose this, so let's get it up, and let's secure it to the front of the ship. And so right after they did that, they, in order to avoid the sandbars, they hoisted the sail, and the winds then blew them out to sea. Now, when I look at this line drawn by whoever it is drew the line, isn't it interesting how this hurricane at the Rin, that they'll be in for two weeks, just goes smoothly down, nice little curve to the north, little curve to the left, heading to their destination. And it looks so gentle, it looks so easy. Look, I mean, what's wrong with that? They just sail out there. Isn't it funny when it's somebody else's storm, it always looks like this. A uh, few curves, a few minor issues. But when it's our storm, it's more like uh, the whirlwind, isn't it? It's more like uh, the SS Minnow, you know, if you know what I'm talking about. We're all over the place when we're the ones on the ship. But they just show it as if they're just sailing out to the sea and they're, they're fine. And they go over to the far left of the screen, the island of Malta. The next chapter, we're going to learn that it is Malta. And just north of there is Syracuse. That's where I was born. Different Syracuse, though. Anyways, all right. We may still need this, so don't take this. You may need to move it next week. It's okay. It's okay. As long as I don't step on it. All right, so we know where we're at right now. Right now we're spinning out of control out in the sea. They have not left or landed yet on Malta. They shall by the end of the chapter. Are we ready? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Verse 23. Remember, Paul's on the ship. It's getting tossed all over the place, up and down in the Adriatic Sea. And Paul makes an announcement to all the people on the ship. Verse 23. He says, there stood before me this night an angel of the God of who, to whom I believe and whom I serve. In case you're wondering what God, he's not many gods, he's the God I serve and believe in. And the angel told him this, do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So they're all to be with you, Paul. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he told me. Man, if we can get any sentence drilled into our head, it would be that line. If we could say, I believe all that God said. I believe what God said, it'll be done just as he told me. Amen? Because it's not going to be any different than what God has said. Paul said, this is what God said, and I believe it, just like he said it. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Notice, no name given on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, think about that for a minute. 14 nights. 14 is two weeks. Pretty deep, huh? (laughs) Two weeks. They have been in this hurricane for two weeks. Not two hours. Not two days. For all day, every day. All night, every night. For two solid weeks. Tossed all over the place in the Adriatic Sea. Have any of you guys ever been out on the ship or out on a boat and be, been seasick? Have some of you guys, have you ever been seasick before? Oh yeah, it's nothing like turning green in front of everyone. And by the way, you lose all dignity. You don't care who's watching. If you've been out on the sea at all or out in waves, and, and they don't take much for me. I'm fine if the boat's moving. It's when the boat stops and you're like the cork out there. Forget it. You know a little bit what I'm talking about. For two weeks, they've been tossed out here. And it says, and for two weeks, as they were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near to land. Now, the sailors sensing this because they've been out to sea enough that they know when land's coming. How do, you, how do they know that? Because the... the ground underneath the water starts getting more shallow and the sequence of the waves become less. And so big, deep troughs and waves lifting them up. Now they're starting to hear, wait a minute, the frequency of these waves are different. And they're, they're saying, this is the same wave pattern as when we get near shore. And so they sensed this. And so then they took soundings like a sonar here in the echo and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Like, okay, we're moving closer. And the fact that it's echoing back to us tells us we're at a cliff. And that's not good because the echo is coming right back to us. And they say, and we're moving quickly towards it. That's why verse 29 says, then fearing. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern. And notice what they did and prayed for day to come. This is amazing. These guys didn't want anything to do with Paul earlier. Now they're all praying. Let's have a prayer meeting. Have you ever prayed for the day to come, for the sun to rise? I don't know. I've prayed for the day. I've prayed for the day to end. Have you ever done that? 
I just can't wait for this day to be over. And it, I know that the praying is wish. They wish. They have wishful thinking. I know they're not believers. Let me tell you something. When you've been two weeks out in the middle of a hurricane, you learn to start praying real quick. You don't have to learn all the fancy prayers. You just say, Lord, get me out of this. Lord, I hope that sun comes up quick. And by the way, the clock will never go any faster than it had been turning. But what they're really praying for is that they will endure to see the dawn come. They're praying not just for the day to hurry and get there, but they will be there to see it get there. So they start praying. And as the sailors, so here's the, the ship is running towards the, the cliffs. They're dropping anchors, four anchors off the back. They lock in. They keep them from going any further. And so while they're there, it says, as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they let down the skift into the sea, remember the one they took out of the sea, when they let it down into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. Remember, anchors in the back, it gets tight. The front end still swings like this. So they would take an anchor in a boat. They would go out in front of the boat in the prow, and they would put another anchor, making it tight. Go like that. You get the idea? You nautical people out there? People help me understand that, and I appreciate that very much. I'm nautically challenged, but Luke was not. So he says, so they're saying, hey, we're just going to put this anchor out front. No, we're not taking off. We're not escaping. Paul said to the centurion, and the soldiers. Notice he doesn't just tell the commander. He tells the soldiers too. I want all you guys to hear this. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the sailors cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. Now, I've had people tell me, when it comes to our salvation, they said, look at, see how this is illustrated in Acts if you don't stay in the ship, if you don't stay in the fellowship, then you can't be saved. You're going to lose your salvation if you get out of the boat. Is that what this is? Is this talking about our eternal salvation? Thank you for answering it that way. No, it's not talking about our eternal salvation. If it were, then it's saying, if they leave the boat, you soldiers can't be saved. Let me tell you something, friends. My salvation is not dependent on someone else's behavior. Are you with me on that? It's not whether or not they behave, I get to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, my salvation is not even based on my own behavior. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Amen? It's not how we behave, it's who we believe. If you believe Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, He died for your sins, He rose from the grave, and He offers you forgiveness if you put your faith in Him. Let me tell you, that's what gets you to heaven. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Don't let an illustration like this throw you for a loop. He's like, oh, that's right, He's going to leave. They use the word saved. The word saved means to rescue. And so they can be rescued physically, without being rescued spiritually. So they were physically going to be rescued because the plan was they stay with Paul, they'll be rescued. So he tells the soldiers, hey, by the way, if they're going to escape, they're going to put everybody in jeopardy. Did you notice it wasn't the sailors that let go of the, the life? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize there's a problem. Oh, we're good, we're good. No, they're still holding the ropes. The soldiers pull their swords down and go, oh, man, you're going to let this thing down. 
They're not putting us all in jeopardy. So they cut the ropes. And as day was about to dawn, this is what they've been praying for, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eating nothing. Now, I had to pause there for a minute. For 14 days, they have not eaten. I can make it 14 minutes. We used to start every year with a three-week fast. That got brutal. It gets brutal. But when you're out to sea and you're, the waves are doing all this number to you, you don't feel like eating. So they say, I don't even have an appetite. I wouldn't either if I was out there. I'd say, no, no, no. 14 days has gone by. And now Paul says, all right, listen, we're about to do something. You're going to need your energy. You're going to need to have your wits about you. When we are hungry, we don't think rationally sometimes. We don't behave rationally sometimes. Don't start pointing fingers. Hey, I don't, even Snickers understood the importance, right? Of being hangry. Somebody wasn't herself and they had the Snicker bar. Like, oh, okay. When we're hangry, when we're hungry, we don't always think right. Actually, I tell people, do not discuss something important before dinner when you haven't eaten, and do not discuss it just before bed when you're tired. When you're hungry, when you're tired, not good times. We all understand this, right? By the way, it's also the time you're most vulnerable. That's why it was after 40 days of Jesus fasting, then the devil came to tempt him. He says, okay, now he's really hungry. Let me see what I can do. So, therefore, Paul says, I urge you to take nourishment for this is your survival, since not a hair of your head will fall, not a hair will fall from your head of any of you. Now, again, I've had people say, wait a minute, they're going to jump in the water and it says that not a hair is going to fall off their head. I've taken a shower. I've taken a bath. I've seen that tub when I'm done. There's always a hair in there, right? For most of us. Listen, I've had, I have, I've had people say, is there a place in the Bible where they jump in the water and no hair comes out there? God, first of all, God can make every hair stay on your head for a millennium if he wants to, right? Or if he wants to expose the beauty, he can have it fall off your head. How do you like that, guys? I helped you out on that one. But the thing is, this is written as what's called a hyperbole. In other words, a hyperbole is to show an extreme to emphasize a point. He says, you're not even going to lose a hair in your head if you listen to what God has said here. So he uses this hyperbole. And, and other scriptures will do it too. Or, you know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. He's not saying literally do it. He's saying, this is what the importance of what I'm saying is about. It's this important. So he says to them, not a hair is going to fall from your head. And when he had said these things, notice what he does. He took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. He's not the captain. He's not the centurion. He's not the soldiers. He's not, you know what he is? He's a prisoner. He's in chains. He's in bondage there. And yet in front of everyone, all of a sudden Paul's in control. Paul tells him, here's the plan. Paul takes bread. He says, okay, we're going to say grace before we eat. And guess what? 
they all said grace together. They're like, okay, you say grace. And they did. He gave it, broke it, and he ate it. Then they were all encouraged. And they also took food for himself. So they watched Paul. And they said, man, Paul's being a spiritual leader. Paul's taking the lead. Paul's just not doing it. He's bringing God into it. And he's praying to God publicly. He's saying, God, we invite you in this. We thank you for this food. They're not saying we're shaking our fists because we haven't eaten in two weeks. He said, no, we're thankful that we could eat this. And all the other guys were like encouraged. I mean, it's probably the first time in over two weeks that they were really encouraged about something. I mean, can you imagine going, I mean, just day after day, week after week, and just battling and battling and battling. Well, they're encouraged. And in all, we were 276 persons in the ship. That's like taking first service and second service, skim off a few. And he said, that's how many were in that ship. There's a lot of people in those little ships back then. I mean, this isn't like the uh, Titanic. This is like the SS Minnow. You know what I'm talking about? It's a little boat. Almost 300 people are here. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Now they're going to lose the ship. They know that. So I thought, why didn't they just leave the wheat on the boat? I'm thinking because they're hoping some of it's going to wash the shore so they'll be able to eat when they get to shore. Good thinking ahead probably. Threw the food into the water. When it was day, they did not recognize the land. But they observed a bay with a beach unto which they planned to run the ship if possible. So here's a cliff. They don't recognize this island. And someone looked down and go, hey, I see an umbrella down there. There's a beach down there. Let's go that way. And so it says, and they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. That which tethered them, they, they cut them off. Well, there's probably a sermon right in that. Just to leave the anchors in the sea. Leave the things you're dragging behind in the sea and move forward. So they moved forward, and then while loosening the rudder ropes, they had the rudder tied off, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind, and they made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, in other words, a riptide, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was about was being broke up by the violence of the waves. So you picture the ship, it's stuck in the, in the sandbar and the rocks, and the back of the ship's just getting battered by the waves coming in, tearing it to pieces. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners. By the way, one of the prisoners would be Paul. Lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump aboard, or jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, in other words, the rest that could not swim. Man, I would hate to have been those guys. You're on a little boat with a bunch of other people tossed around a hurricane for two weeks. And in your mind, you know, oh, I can't swim. Could be even worse if I can't swim and I'm a prisoner with chains on. He said, the rest of you that can't swim, some on boards and some on parts of the ship, 
And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. As we look at our text, you're going to have to listen fast because I'm going to have to talk fast. My message is, here's the plan. You see, when I look at this text, I notice that there are a couple conflicting plans in the text. You see, when it comes to a plan, we all have plans. We all have to live by plans. This building was built with a set of plans. Webster defines plans as this, a detailed procedure or strategy or proposal for achieving something. So in other words, you do not need a plan if there's not something to achieve. The idea here is there is an expected outcome. So in order to achieve this expected outcome, we are going to set up a plan, a strategy, a proposal that if we follow this plan, we will arrive at the expected outcome. Are you with me on this? When it comes to your plan and my plan, sometimes our plans can be kind of loose, flexible. The other day we were heading up to the Canadian Rockies. Yeah, put it on your bucket list. We were flying from Indianapolis to Chicago. Had to catch a flight in Chicago, only like an hour spread between flights and then go to Calgary. While at the airport in Indianapolis, we're looking to see our flights right on time. We're like, yeah, it's always good to be on time, right? And we were early. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you see the storm start coming up. I'm like, no. And then the next thing you know, they had what they call a creeping delay. Creeping delays. That means it's just moving incrementally. So you're just, just about ready to board. And it goes, oh, delayed 15 minutes. Like, and then, okay, it's only 15 minutes. I can do this. Next thing you know, oh, delayed another 15 minutes. Like, and you know, you have one hour. You know how many 15 minutes can fit in one hour? Yes, yeah, so do I know. And I'm sitting there, okay, well, I can afford one set of 15, but then another set of 15, like, but yeah, that's how I was. But the third set of 15, I'm like, Lord. And then the Lord reminded me of my sermon that morning. Tim, do you remember when you preached and the first message, first point of your message was, storms can change our plans. I'm like, oh, tell me, Lord. Uh, that's a, you think it's hard to listen to it the first time. You should have to go through all the hours to put it together. And then you have to live it out. And you're like, no. Well, here's a storm changed all our plans. I'm praying, Lord, just get us there on time. Then it looked like there's no way I'm going to make that next flight. Looking at the weather in Chicago, it's going to be fine. It's clear. No problem. And we're like, man, they're going to take off without me. I was not happy at first, but then the Lord reminded me, and my wife can attest. I just said, all right, Lord, it's yours. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret. I don't care about the delays. It's an hour and a half now. I don't care, as long as I can make the next flight. <laughs> and even if I miss that, I finally got to, go to where I said, okay, so I'll miss it. I'll get the next one in the morning. But, you know, praise the Lord, we got there, and all the flights were delayed in Chicago, like usual. And so, praise the Lord, it was two hours delayed. We made the flight, and we got to Calgary on, well, not on time, but we got to Calgary. That's called a flexible plan. Some 
plans are created and you can adjust them and they're loose or flexible. Some, however, do not have flexibility. In other words, this is the plan and you better stick to the plan. If you're building a nuclear bomb, you better stick to the plan. If you're doing brain surgery on me, you better stick to the plan. It's very short surgery, very quick, by the way. There are certain things that you have to have a strict plan and you don't mess with the plan. The wisdom is needed to discern what is a flexible plan and what is a fixed plan. When it comes to God's instructions, God's plan, this is not a flexible plan. Amen? God set this in stone. God said, this is the Word of God. These are my instructions. I write my Word on every man's heart. But friends, sometimes we handle the Word of God as if it's just a suggestion, just an idea. Well, go along with it when you like it. Adjust it when you don't. Let me tell you something. God's Word is going to stay true from here all the way beyond eternity. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will stand true. Can I get a witness on that? Because that's it. These are your instructions, my instructions for our life, for our career, for our moral purity, for our healing, for our deliverance. These are God's instructions, His plan. But when I look at the text, there were opposing plans to God's plan. And the first thing I want to point out is the simplicity of God's plan. Did you see how simple it was? Here's how simple it is. Let me tell you my plan about the ship. The ship is going to run aground and you're going to lose it. It's gone. Nothing ambiguous in that, is there? He just said, here's the plan. Ship's gone. Here's my plan concerning you, Paul. You're going to be brought before Caesar. Period. Here's my plan for everyone else. Everyone else who stays with you will be rescued and delivered. They will survive. The plan is they stick to you, Paul. Now you look at it and you say, well, why that? Because up till this point, no one cared about Paul. He wasn't the captain. He wasn't the centurion. He was a prisoner. He's in bondage. He had no voice. When he tried to give his voice in Fairhaven, they all said, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We'll follow the experts. And they all followed the experts. So now Paul speaks up and God is saying, if they stick with you, Paul, they will survive. They will all survive. God is giving Paul moral authority in the presence of the sailors and the presence of the soldiers. And he will be able to speak in their life. What God says through Paul is going to come to pass. It's going to give him credence. He's not only going to be speaking about this, he will be sharing the gospel later as well on the island. So now everyone's starting to look to Paul and they got to trust Paul. So God takes this man of God, Paul, and says, all you guys, if you listen to him, you'll survive. If you don't, you won't. The plan was simple. Ship's going to be gone. Paul, you're going to see Caesar. The rest will survive if you stick with Paul. Now, Paul said in verse 25, After he lays the plan out, I believe God that it will be just as he told me. What will be? We'll lose the ship. I'll see Caesar. You guys have to stay with me. There's not much to the plan. Three sentences. God laid out his plan. Boom. And he says, you need to trust me on the rest. You need to trust me on the details. You see, the problem is, while Paul could say, 
this is God's plan and I'm good with it. All too often, we are not good with it. When I say we, just know this. If ever I'm pointing to you, there's three fingers pointing back to me. You got that? When it comes to God's plan, here's the problem. We're like, okay, that's a good plan. That's a good plan. But I need more details. If you're on the ship and Paul says, okay, here's the plan. Ship's going to run aground. I got to go see Caesar. You guys got to stick with me. You good with that? We say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm good with it. Where are we going to run aground? I don't know. Well, how are we going to find this place? I don't know. Well, is that going to be in the next hour or tonight or tomorrow? I don't know. Well, why do we have to do it that way? I don't know. Is there any other way we can do it? You see, I don't, I don't know about you. But I know about me. And if in three sentences he said, this is how you're going to be rescued from a hurricane I've been stuck in for two weeks now. I'm the guy that wants more detail. When am I going to, when's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? What do I need to do next? God gives no details to the time. He doesn't say how he's going to do it. He doesn't say what the next thing is going to be. He just said, here's the plan. Are you good with it? I'll take care of the details. I just want you to know that I'm aware of it and I got this. The problem with not getting the details is, again, it comes right at our control issues. Because when we're not in control, even of the details, then we have insecurity issues. And we just feel if I just had a little more detail, I'd be a little more secure about this. But friends, I want to tell you something. If God said, okay, I'll give you a little more detail, the name of the island is going to be Malta. The scripture said they've never even seen that island before. So if he said, here's some more details, it's Malta. They say, well, what's a Malta? Do you drink it or what is it? Say, no, you're going to be shipwrecked on it. And we say, well, when is that going to happen? We would just start going right down. And it's going to be tomorrow afternoon. Oh, early afternoon or late afternoon? Early afternoon. Well, should we eat lunch first or should we wait till we get... You know, we would just... You ever been to a restaurant where they ask too many questions? Just bring me a cheeseburger. We just go on and on about details. But here's something that I have to come to grips with. God almost never fills me in on the details. He almost never fills me in on the details. God gives me just enough for me to know that he's aware of what I'm dealing with. Sometimes all I know. All I know is I get this sense that God is, he's got this. He gives me just enough information to know that he's got this, that, that he's aware. And if God is aware, then that means God has a plan. Right? God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. You might not know them, but I know them. And if I had to tell you all the thoughts that I had towards you with all the different details, then you would have to be me to retain it all. But we want all those details, don't we? We need to realize God's not going to give us those details. And we got to be good with that. We got to be good with the simplicity of the plan. Here's the plan. If you put your faith in my son Jesus Christ who died for your sin already on that cross and you accept him as your personal savior, I will forgive you of your sins and send you to heaven. That's the plan. That's the plan. 
pretty simple, isn't it? It means, well, I just got to believe. I just got to accept what he did in my place. Yeah. And if I accept that, you're going to forgive me all my sins and send me to heaven. Yeah. There's got to be more to it than that. Right? And we start adding, we're thinking, there's got to be more to it. And, and the plan's too simple. Listen, it's so easy. It is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Because it's that easy. And we're just going to fight God because that's what we do. When God said, His Word says this. We love Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. <laughs> trust in the Lord when your heart feels like it. No, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And now he says, now here's what you're to do. Here's what you're not to do. Do not lean on your own understanding. If this pulpit was my understanding. You know what's happening while I'm leaning here? I'm putting my weight on this pulpit. You know what happens to my understanding and your understanding? Is often it gets knocked out from under us. If this pulpit ever got knocked out, I'd be going down. Because I got all my weights here. Oh, I'm trusting you, Lord. But I'm leaning on my own understanding. I'm thinking it through. He says, don't do that, Tim. Stop leaning on your own understanding. But here's what I want you to do. Are you ready for it, Tim? Here's the plan. In all your ways. You ready? Acknowledge me. It's your side, Tim. In all your ways, acknowledge me. Have you ever been unacknowledged in a room before? You've been in there, no one's acknowledged your presence. You go, hey, how you doing today? You get your hand, you'll leave you hanging. Like, you recognize that he's here. He said, Tim, in everything you do, recognize that I'm there. Acknowledge me. And here's what I'm going to do, Tim. I'm going to direct your paths. Here's the plan. Tim, here it is. All your ways acknowledge me. Here it is. I'll direct your paths. You know what the problem is? That's so simple. I'm like, all I got to do is acknowledge you. And you're going to direct me. Well, when are you going to do that? Well, how are you going to do this? Or when's that door going to open up? Tim, are you acknowledging me? Yes, Lord, I acknowledge you. I believe that you're there. I believe you're in control. I, know, I believe that you love me. I believe your grace is sufficient. I believe that you will direct my paths. Then Tim... You stop directing your paths. I'm always over here trying to do God's job, and I'm not over here doing my job. Because my job's too simple. I just have to acknowledge God and say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I give this to you. Instead, I want to go over here and get my hands in it. And God's like, get back over there. Damn. Sit. It's like when I feed Zeus, our little Yorkie. We put his food there and make him sit. Sometimes he just walk away, and he lifts his little hiney off the floor. I go, sit, and he goes back down. That's what I feel like sometimes, because I get so anxious, like, ah, oh, i got to know. God's plan is simplistic. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Those that come to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What do I have to believe about you, God? Believe that I'm God. Well, what else? Believe that I'm God. <laughs> God, by definition, can do anything, right? Except violate his own character. If you believe that that's me, then just have faith that I'm, that's me. That I exist, that I'm here. And if I'm here, and you recognize it, that I'm aware of what you're doing, then I'll take care of the details. It is so hard for people like me 
to leave the details to God because I need to know what's next. And God said, relax. The simplicity of the plan, the replacement of the plan. See, the plan was simple, but there was something that decided they wanted to replace it. The sailors, the sailors, they were seeking to escape from the ship. You see, they were letting down this boat because they found another way to escape. Think about it for a minute. However long ago it was when the plan was exposed, maybe half a day, maybe a day, maybe two days, whenever the plan was first given, you know what? They were good with the plan. Okay, we'll stay with Paul. Okay, we're going to lose the ship. Okay, Paul's going wrong. We're good with the plan. They stayed on the ship. They didn't lower the lifeboat out when they're in the open sea, lest it got swamped and they died. So they had no option when they're out to sea. But now all of a sudden they're coming and they anchored and they, they know there's land right there. So now here's God's plan and all of a sudden another option pops up. And now they're like, you know what? I like option B. And I think they get their other little sailor friends over there and say, come on, let's take this boat. Let's get out of here. And so they try to take their plan and replace God's plan in the midst of it. They were good with it when it was first given. And now they're saying, nah, I don't know about this. And you know, friends, listen, if God has shown you his plan, if God has talked to you, he's showed you what he is doing in your life, I want to encourage you to stick to the plan. Because if you don't, while you're following the plan, another option is going to pop up and another option, and another option. And if you're just going to jump to another option because you think it's what's best for you without consulting with God, I'll tell you what, you're just going to make more trouble for yourself. And not only are you going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt others as well. Because he said, if they do that, it's going to affect you guys as well. There's some people, they go through life, they think, I, it's my life, I can live the way I want to. It doesn't affect anyone else. Yeah, it does. It affects a lot of other people. It affects a lot of other people. And so we have to be careful to realize that we can get very self-centered when it's like, hey, I'm just going to take this lifeboat myself and I'm out of here. There were those who wanted to replace God's plan because they saw another option. And they went to take the other option. But let me tell you something. If the other option was an option, God would have included it in his plan. Right? But the other option wasn't an option. God says, no. That's amazing. The cool thing... I mean, the cool thing about being God is He's omniscient, omniscience, all knowledge. He knows everything. He knows everything. He knows what the next day is coming, what the next plan is. And so He's taken every contingency into consideration. He's like, all right, I know this, I know that's going to happen to this, so here's how it's going to roll. And let me tell you something about God's plan. God's plan has been rolling for millenniums now, and it's still on track. Still on track. And it will stay on track no matter what. God has a plan, and he's going to execute his plan. But while you're doing God's plan, let me tell you something. The devil is going to pop up options in front of you. And if you're not in prayer and you're not saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? You're just going to say, man, there's a better option right there. But I'll tell you what, it is not a better option unless the Lord gave you the option. And don't make it like the Lord gave Oh, I think the Lord just showed me this. He just revealed to me that we have a lifeboat on board. And he revealed to me that if I got in that boat and sailed to shore, I will be saved. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Sailors wanted to replace the plan. 
The soldiers wanted to modify the plan. You see what happened once this ship broke up and you're all heading to sea and it said, verse, what is it, 29? No, 42. I was close. And the sailors' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose or plan. You see, the sailors wanted to replace God's plan because they thought this other option would be better. The soldiers wanted to modify God's plan. I'm good with the plan. I'm going to run ashore. It's okay here. I'm just going to tweak it a little bit. You know, the plan was ship's going to be destroyed. Paul's going to go see Caesar. Everyone has to stick to Paul. And they say, okay, ship's being destroyed. We're good so far. But then all of a sudden, you know what happened? They started thinking. If there is a soldier in the Roman economy, here's what happens. If your prisoner escapes, whatever penalty was going to be placed on your prisoner gets placed on you. So if you're regarding a prisoner and he's going to have to pay a fine and he escapes, you pay the fine. If your prisoner had to do jail time and he escaped, you do his jail time. If the prisoner was to be executed and escaped, guess who gets executed? You get executed. Can you see the dilemma that the soldiers are thinking of? Their mind knew the plan. Ship runs aground, Paul goes to see Caesar, everyone sticks to Paul. But then they said, they started thinking out ahead of the plan. And their minds started thinking out further into the future. And the more they started thinking out, the more fear they got. And the more they said, wait a minute, I see a problem with this plan. If these prisoners escape, then I'm liable for it. And so while the first ones were trying to preserve their life, these guys are trying to protect their life. And they're saying, wait a minute, we're, not, we're just going to modify it. We'll let all the good guys go, the sailors and soldiers, and we'll just kill the prisoners. They're just prisoners. But God's plan was all of them were to stick to Paul, and Paul was to get to see Caesar in Rome, and the ship was to be lost. You see, they modified it because their brain started to say, well, what about this? What about that? What if this happens? And then they came to the wrong conclusion. Friends, you know what the biggest struggle to following God's plan is? Oftentimes, our mind, our thinking, at least mine, because I start thinking. Then I start thinking about this. And then the devil said, oh, you're thinking about maybe modifying it. Have you thought of this? And he puts these thoughts in your head. And before you know it, you start thinking of all these things that are going to go wrong and possibly go wrong. And oh, no. And so you know what you do? I'm just going to modify a little bit. I'm going to do a little bit. God says to do this, but it'll be okay if I do that. God says don't do this, but it's okay if I just modify a little bit here. Listen, when God just lays his plan out, he didn't come back and change his plan. He said, here's the plan. We need to learn to trust God. When the plan's coming together, we say, yay. When the plan looks like it's falling apart, we still say, yay, you got this, Lord. And I don't know if I'm just going to get knocked off this ship and still float to shore, but I'm, I know I'm going to get to shore because God said this is how it's going to happen. We need to be so careful not to modify God's plans. And maybe you're in your life right now. Maybe there's some plans in front of you. I know there are in front of me. Trying to execute them, trying to go about the plan. 
But maybe you're thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to do it a little different, replace it. Or maybe I'm going to modify it. Listen, only let the one who made the plan change the plan or come up with a modification to the plan. In other words, if God said this is how it's going to be, you don't change it until God says this is where you're going to go now. Because I know sometimes you go in a direction it's just a stepping stone to the next stepping stone. I understand that. God moves us like the king's heart is just like the rivers. He moves to and fro. But the thing is, let God do the changing. Let God do the modifying. Let God come up with the plan. If it's not God doing it and you're convinced and you know in your heart it's God and not your wishful thinking wanting it to happen, he said, if you know it's God doing it, then you just keep moving forward. Move forward when it looks right. Look, Move forward when it doesn't look right. Like those uh, Israelites. Remember those guys get right up against the Red Sea? And they're like, great! Here's the Red Sea in front of me. Here's a cliff on one side, cliffs on the other side, and the Egyptian army coming behind me. And, and here they were in such a dilemma. And yet says, okay, here's the plan. Here was God's plan. I love God's plan. Moses, take that stick and hold it up in the air. And when you do, all the water is going to get out of your way and you can go across. Can you imagine Moses coming back telling you the plan? You go, get the what? You can hold it. These guys are coming after us. They're going to kill us. We're going to be destroyed. We're going to, we're, we're going to drown. And yet as crazy as the plan sounded, because it was God's plan, it worked. Amen? As crazy as life may seem, as difficult it is to hang in there and hang on, let God make a way even when there seems to be no way. Let God's plan work its course. Set your face like a flint and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you in this. I'm going to trust you. It seems crazy to me. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. I can see all these potential problems. But you know what? You're in control, God. Not me and I'll follow you, and I'll walk with you. I don't know. Where are you at? Where are you at in your life? Some plans you may just need to surrender and say, I'm going to trust you in this, Lord. I'm going to trust you. Uh, hopefully you're not asking for details. And by the way, if you're not getting any details, don't come to the pastor or Pastor Corey. Don't come to us and say, what are the details? It's so funny. People always want us to know what the details of their God's plan for their life and all. I don't know what God's details are. He didn't tell me. It's your life and your journey before God. Amen? I know the details in here, and we don't violate those details, but beyond that, we'll pray for you. <laughs> hey, have fun storming the castle. Father, we love you. We bless you. We say hallelujah for your plan. You know the thoughts you have towards us. Lead us and direct us. Right now, Lord, there may be some here listening over the internet and have not been saved yet. I pray they will accept the simplicity of your plan to put all their faith in your son, Jesus Christ, who paid for your sin on the cross. And may they put their faith in Christ to save them and give to them eternal life. For those of us that have been saved, Lord, we all have plans in our life, some flexible, some adjustable, most adjustable. But Lord, help us not to adjust your plan. Help us to chase you with all our heart. Help us to acknowledge you in all our ways. Help us to believe that you have good thoughts towards us. 
And help us just let you do your job. And us trust you to do it. We love you, Lord. And today we commit ourselves to you. Move in our midst, we ask. Draw us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Ministry team, would you come? There's going to be folks that are going to come and they're going to be here to pray for you. We're only going to take a couple minutes. If God's speaking to you, maybe you say, I I need healing. I need deliverance. I need help. Whatever it is, you come. As others are coming, you come. Say, Lord, your plan is to do this through Jesus, through your son. Today I'm trusting you. I'm going to take a couple minutes. You come. You You have no rivals. You have no today. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours God, is the glory. speaking to you today. Listen, just lay it down. Give it Yours to Yours is the name Folks are here to pray for you. close our service, I'm going to ask you just eyes closed, heads bowed. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Take your hands in front of you. Just hold them in front of your face as if you're carrying something. I want you to envision that something in your hands as your plans, your future, your desires, your wants, your hopes. And I want you to just lift those prayers and those plans up to the Lord. And say, Lord, here are my plans. And I want to trade my plans for your plan for me. Help me, Lord, to be good, not knowing the details. Help me, Lord, to trust you. I give you all of my hopes and dreams, and I believe that you have a great plan for me. So today, I lift up into your presence my life, my journey. And I want you to know that I trust you. I trust you to take it from here, that you've got this, and I know you do. Thank you for taking my burdens. Thank you for taking my worry. Thank you for taking these concerns. Thank you for taking all my thrashing and my mental exercise. Thank you, Lord, for just giving me in exchange the peace that passes all understanding. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord is good. Amen. All the time. You give it up for the Lord. You give it up for the Lord. Amen.
I know we only have one chapter left of the book of Acts, no wailing and gnashing of teeth, but it's been a good journey. It's been fun. It's something to look and say, wow, this is life so many ways. Share the love before you leave. Be a blessing, not a curse. Be a blessing. Lord bless you. Share the germ. Share the germ.